Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young sitting in with you this evening until, my goodness, 11 p.m. So uh, get that latte, folks, and stick around uh, because we've got lots of stuff to uh, unpack this evening. And by the way, you know, a lot of times you hear me on Camo X uh, as the legal analyst. So we'll be t- covering some news stories. I mean, I, I don't generally just give out legal advice on the radio because you know what? It's hard to charge you for that. So uh, I'm kidding, of course. But in any event, we will be talking about uh, a lot of the news of the day. And uh, as long as we're not in interviews at any point in time, certainly phone lines are open at 314-436-7900. I was talking as I was coming into the studio this evening, I was chatting with Kevin Colleen. And uh, you know Kevin Colleen, the jewel of X, And uh, he might be he just might be the funniest guy I've ever known. And so you want if you want to hear some more of Kevin Colleen, and who frankly, who could say no to that, uh, tune in tomorrow. He'll be joining Hancock and Kelly uh, uh, between uh, 9 and 11 tomorrow morning right here on Camo X, which, by the way, you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to remind you again, not only can you hear us on 1120 a.m., not only... Can you catch us on the Odyssey app? But if you're in the greater St. Louis area, you can catch us on 98.7 FM. That's where I've been listening as I've been driving around. I always listen to Camo X, and it sounds perfect on FM 98.7. And speaking of funny, because uh, I was talking about Kevin Clean, I try to find humor in the news of the day. Because, you know, there's a lot of humor there. And uh, and speaking of humor, there's also humor in the text messages that I get. So if you want to send us text messages as the show unfolds this evening, same magic number, 314-436-7900. But in the news of the day today, the, the humor that I found was predominantly in two stories. Now, the first story is... That, uh, you know, right now, Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, he is perhaps the most powerful politician in Washington, D.C. right now. I know we always think it's the president because they've got the football, they've got the codes, you know, they fly on Air Force One. but, But right now, President Biden can't get anything done unless it gets through 
the Senate. The Senate's 50-50, and you've even got to get to 60 unless you're going to use this uh, uh, arcane process called reconciliation, and then you only need 50-50. Well, Joe Manchin is the 50th vote. So he is the proverbial uh, powerful person in the Senate because he is the 50-50 tiebreaker. And so today on MSNBC, Brian Williams. You remember Brian Williams? He's the guy that used to be on NBC, and and uh, and then he got relegated over at MSNBC a few years ago. He was being very critical of Joe Manchin because Joe Manchin came out this week. He said he really couldn't support what's called H.R. 1, which is the bill that would revamp our voting laws, uh, really supplant the state's authority over voting powers uh, from coast to coast. He said he couldn't support that. He said he wouldn't support a $3 trillion infrastructure deal. So he came out on some of these bills. He took positions that really torpedo the, the Democrats. So Brian Williams was criticizing Joe Manchin today on MSNBC. And, and the words that he used, though, this is comedy gold right here. He, he characterized Joe Manchin as a person, quote, I'm quoting, living in a world of his own imagination. So Brian Williams accused Joe Manchin of living in a world of his own imagination. Now, why is that funny, you might ask, and or you might not. But what's interesting is if you recall Brian Williams' past, the reason he was fired from NBC News was because he completely fabricated a story that he was in a, a helicopter that was shot down by enemy fire in Iraq in 2003. Completely fabricated the story. And so he claims he was shot down in Iraq, never happened, Never happened, not even close. And so he was fired from NBC. And then, of course, he had to go get picked up over at MSNBC uh, because, you know, frankly, they'll hire anyone. But he was a making fun of Joe Manchin for living in a world of his own imagination. That, my friends, is irony. The other story that's completely ironic is that one of the guys running for mayor of Atlanta right now, <clears throat> he it's Councilman Antonio Brown. He is one of these guys who wants to defund the police. He's a defund the police advocate. And guess what happened this week? He was carjacked. So the guy who's advocating, we should get rid of the police. We don't need them. It's a waste of money. He's carjacked. And, and I don't believe in the concept of karma in any way, but in the event that it would exist, this would be it. Because when he called the police to report that he was carjacked, he was on hold for five minutes because of a shortage of police. So <laughs> that is comedy gold, my friends, when you've got the news of the day that just literally uh, the material writes itself. Uh, we're going to take a break here. When we come back from this break, we're going to be talking uh, about COVID and dementia. If you've had any relatives who suffer from dementia, who have been locked up in any any senior care facilities over the past year or year plus, you know that they've had a decrease in their condition because of COVID. We're going to talk to expert uh, Brian Levy about why this happens and how things are getting better here on At Your Service with Brad Young. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. Don't just listen to the news. React to it. We are the voice of St. Louis. Everyone is welcome.
Welcome back to Camo X. Brad Young in with you this evening. And listen, COVID was, has been hard on all of us. And I, I did a little homework today, and I don't know if you know this, but dementia, dementia diseases were the sixth leading cause of American deaths during the COVID lockdown. And, and if you have a friend or a loved one who suffers from dementia and survived, you know how tough this lockdown has been on their quality of life. So to help us understand the issue of dementia and how uh, it interacts with the COVID lockdown, I reached out to Brian Levy. He's with Cambridge Caregivers. Hey, Brian Levy, thanks for joining us this evening on CamoX. You bet. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate your time. Um, let's let's talk about dementia-related deaths first, and then we're going to talk about something a little more cheery as we move on. But from that okay. perspective, you you know this statistic that that uh, during the lockdown, dementia-related diseases were the sixth leading cause of American deaths. I guess my initial question, Brian Levy, is this: How are dementia deaths and COVID lockdowns? How are those two things related? a great question. I appreciate you asking. It it all comes back to isolation. And when you have um, this elder community suffering from dementia, they need a lot of time and attention and love and um, and, uh, face-to-face interaction. And all of a sudden, you know, they're living in assisted living or independent living or with family members, and then all of a sudden they're cut off. And there's no longer that one-on-one um, care that they're accustomed to. And when there, then when there are caregivers with them, they have face masks on. So they don't even have a familiar face in front of them. Um, and, and really, it just all comes back down to isolation. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of times, Brian, we think that, that with dementia or other conditions, if, if you're not improving, then maybe you're just going to be you know stagnant or just kind of holding steady. But what I'm hearing from you is that during this lockdown, because of the isolation, because of the inability to see friends and family and loved ones, because they were more often than not just locked in their rooms, it's not that they just stayed the same and didn't progress, but they actually regressed because of that isolation. Yes. And I think that's a big misnomer is people really don't, um, they don't get better. You know, it's not one of those. I had a, a resident. We have a, a boutique assisted living care homes called Manchester Care Homes. Four to one ratio, very one on one attention. And I had a family member call me the other day and he said, my mom called me the other day from your from the house phone. I think she's getting better. Hmm. It just doesn't work that way. That's yeah. not how the disease progresses. It progresses and just it takes different forms, if you will. Um but back to the, the to the issue, isolation is real. And when you have dementia and you're isolated from loved ones and caregivers and all of the attention needed for basic care, activities of daily living, um, it, it takes its toll. Yeah, and because folks were were locked, I mean, I had some friends of mine from my church who who live in a in a senior care facility, and they would just call me and say they won't let us leave, you know, because if we leave then we can't come back in because there has to be a 14-day quarantine period. So so not only were they isolated, but they were isolated inside of a facility. And, of course, folks with that age, uh, their immune system responds, is less effective, rather, to to, uh, fighting off viruses. So so these folks just had it bad all the way around, both physically and psychologically. It was absolutely the most imperfect storm. And I think one of the big takeaways from this entire year— was how much 
adult children actually take care of their parents, whether they're in independent living, independent living or assisted living. They're, um, the adult children are going by daily, if not multiple times a day, um, watching their parents, dealing with caregivers, and, and, and really um, supplementing care. And then all of a sudden that was shut down, and no one is monitoring their health, their intake, their void, their anything. They just don't have the, the attention that they need to, um, to live a healthy life. Yeah, my, my mother-in-law is 94 uh, and still lives at, at, in her home, but because she wasn't in a facility, my wife could go and, and still help take care of her almost on a daily basis. But had she been you know, in a, in a senior care facility and not been able to leave, that proves the point that you're talking about, Brian, that, that she couldn't have been there uh, to help her. And, of course, we're talking to, to Brian Levy. He's with Cambridge Caregivers. So let's move on from that aspect, Brian, and talk about how COVID affected those who, who survived but still struggle with dementia-related diseases. So for those folks who obviously and thankfully didn't pass away, those folks have regressed now because of the new interaction with family and friends and employees. Are these folks going to, to be able to stabilize their condition or is it going to continue to regress because of what happened during COVID? Well, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. But I will tell you this. <laughs> I, I will tell you this. I know for a fact that our residents and even our Cambridge caregivers clients um, are showing signs of, of um, let's say they're thriving more mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the family interaction. Um, that's just a whole new outlook and, a, and a, just a completely different feel um, that, that they're having. Just, just the mere touch of an adult child holding their, their mom's hand or touching dad's arm and talking to them, not through FaceTime, but live in person. It, it has a tremendous impact. It's, it's real. What are some of the things, Brian, and of course you're with Cambridge Caregivers, but what are some of the things that, that you do at Cambridge Caregivers to interact with folks in the memory care unit to, to give them that intellectual stimulation that helps to you know, bring back at least portions of, the, of their former selves? What, what kind of activities do you do to stimulate them intellectually? So we work with the families to better understand what was mom and dad like before they fell ill. Before they were affected with this disease, did they tap dance? Did they fence? Did they golf? Did they box? Did they, I mean, those are some real examples of, of clients' um, hobbies. But Boxing, why? That would be I, fun. <laughs> I have a very, very senior SVP of a Fortune 100 company that did all four of those things. Um, but it's interesting to, um, you know, when they have dementia, to, to integrate those things back into their lives. Now, I'm not saying that we have this gentleman fencing, but we'll find a way to get a book, get a movie, watch it on TV. Um, you know, if we have a resident who uh, travels to Africa quite often, and so we integrate animals into her activities through books or the History Channel or other, um, other mediums, um, we, we have activities where we'll, we will study, um, for instance, study penguins or fish on, uh, on Tuesdays, and get excited for the Thursday field trip to the aquarium. So they have something mm-hmm. to look forward to, and they're still um, engaged, where they're not just sitting in front of a TV watching The prizes Right. 
Yeah, if I were working there and the and the gentleman who was the fencing expert asked me for a book, you can be absolutely certain I would get it for him instantly uh, if he's a fencing yeah. expert. Uh, we're, no doubt. We're, Inboxing. Yeah. <laughs> Inboxing. We're talking to Brian Levy yeah. with Cambridge Caregivers. And, Brian, uh, my daughter works in the memory care unit of a senior living facility in, in Minneapolis. And she told me something that echoed what you said a few moments ago, and that is, during the COVID lockdown, when when staff were wearing masks, it was a it was a real problem because it interfered uh, with the uh, with the residents' ability to recognize their caregivers that otherwise they knew quite well. And and she pointed out that it was not just the the physical part of the mask that was a problem for the uh, for the residents, but also because the mask muffled their voices and it made it very difficult for folks who may have uh, hearing loss already because then they couldn't look at their lips, they couldn't read their lips, and it made it difficult both from a cognitive and a physical recognition perspective because of those masks. Did you find that to be the case? And if so, are things better now that, for the most part, masks are lifted for those who are vaccinated? You know, it's a double-edged sword. The masks definitely take away from um, helping communicate with residents and, and even not just reading lips, but a simple smile. You know, facial expressions are really important um, in, in interacting with the elder community, especially when they have dementia. Um, that said, um, we, we actually we were just in a meeting this week talking about when are we going to be able to, um, re, you know, uh, loosen the policy of masks for staff and family members coming to visit. And I got to tell you, it's not going to be anytime soon. You know, we are extra cautious. Knock Mm -hmm. on wood, our care homes have been COVID-free for going on, what, 16 months. And, you know, the masks and washing of hands and educating the staff really made a difference. And we're not ready to take any undue risks right now. Mm -hmm. So masks are here to stay for a little while. Um, you know, not hand sanitizer, but actual soap and water. Yes. Um, and, and, and true education from our medical staff to the, to the caregivers. Well, we're talking with Brian Levy of Cambridge Caregivers. And, Brian, if, if listeners want more information about Cambridge Caregivers, either for a resident purposes or maybe even for employment purposes, how can they find you? I appreciate you asking. Um, simple, manchesterliving.com. There's uh, links to Cambridge Caregivers to Manchester Care Homes, our CNA school, and our podcast. And we are hiring, so I appreciate you mentioning that. If anybody's looking for a job, we would love to entertain uh, uh, and, and look at resumes. Absolutely. Brian Levy with Cambridge Caregivers. Hey, thanks for joining us this evening on Camo X. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Hey, when we come back from this break, uh, listen, phone lines are open. How have your relatives fared during COVID? If you've had some, uh, perhaps some parents or grandparents uh, that have been uh, in isolation during the past year, year and a half, are they getting any better now that things are starting to open up? Uh, the isolation is starting to break apart and you can at least go and visit. I mean, some grandparents haven't seen their grandkids in, in a year or even more. If you've got any experience with that, I would like to hear your story. 314-436-7900. Brad Young at your service on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tomorrow afternoon, the Cards open a three-game series in Chicago against the Cubs. And you can hear it here. Emron Pregame Show 1225. First pitch 120 on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. Welcome back to Camel X. That is actually a fantastic song under pressure to lead into my next topic. And uh, I'm going to ask a producer extraordinaire, Mike Anderson, to power up his mic because, you know, summer's here. And you, when summer's here, you want to open up the windows, you want to go outside. But, folks, when that happens, there's always one thing that is detrimental to every summer evening bugs. So, so Mike, there was a survey that came out this week about America's most hated bugs. What is, is there any certain kind of bug that bothers you? Do bugs creep you out? Do you just not care? Bug, How do you feel about bugs? Bugs don't really creep me out, but uh, mosquitoes are a big problem. I mean, I just, at the end of the night when you're all itchy, you feel like you got to take a shower before mm-hmm. bed. That's a problem. Yeah, you know, we you can come up with a reason why just about every insect exists, but for the life of me, I have no reason to understand why God invented mosquitoes. I mean, I just don't know why they're there. They're they're a menace, and those those do get you because you play a lot of outdoor sports. Well, and I work late, so when I get home at the end of the night, you know, I like to sit on the patio for a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, they'll get you. They'll get you. Well. Here's the thing, and this is why I wanted to talk to you about this study that came out that said, uh, according to a survey of over 2,000 people, roaches were number one at 39% of people that are afraid of roaches. Now, when you see bugs, though, the mosquitoes are an annoyance, but you're not afraid of any bugs, are you? Um, Not really that I can think of. I mean, if I was, you know... Trapped in a room, maybe face to face with a tarantula or something, and be a little creepy. But no, I can't think of an instance where I've been scared of a bug. You know, when I was in high school, I actually had a tarantula. I went to Mexico and I caught one, and the statute of limitations has passed. So I can tell you this: I illegally smuggled it into the country and brought it home. And so I had this tarantula, and it would eat crickets, and it was really cool. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't you know they didn't bite you or anything, and I'd let it go up my arm, and people would start going, oh. It's go you. It's gross. It's huh. gross. But you know, it was pretty neat. It was pretty neat for a while, and until I kept it in my basement, and it got too cold, and it, it didn't like the cold. You promise you don't carry them around with you anymore. Well, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that. But uh, but cockroaches were the first. But here's what I wanted to get your opinion on: because two in three people, sixty six percent of those surveyed, it was a two thousand people were surveyed, sixty six percent said they would give up a month's pay to make sure that there were no bugs in their house. That, to me, seems rather extreme. 
That's people that are really scared of bugs. Yeah, I mean, how many bugs do they have in their house? <laughs> I think it costs less than that to have a bug guy come over and it does. spray around for 20 minutes. Spray some bugs or spray some bug spray. You know, there's a house by me. Uh, it, it, I don't think it's this way anymore. And thankfully, it's a few blocks from me. But it was actually on the news several years ago because it was infested with brown recluse spiders. I have heard that from time to time, yeah. And if you uh, if you set off the bug spray bombs or whatever, the brown recluse spiders burrow into the wood in the frames of your house, and the bug spray doesn't get to them. Hmm. So the only way you can get rid of them is to put out, uh, like, sticky paper. And so when they walk on the sticky paper on the floor, they stick to it, and then that's how you—it's the only way you can get rid of them. But, but folks have an aversion to bugs, and in my house—I you know, live in a house full of women— if there's ever a bug anywhere in my house, it's World War III. It's, oh, my goodness, I don't care if you're in the middle of the most climactic scene of the best movie you've ever seen. Everything has to stop to go chase this bug. And so folks have a phobia about that. I didn't know if you did or not. Uh, but um, uh, what's amazing to me is that spiders came in at 37%. People can't stand spiders, but mosquitoes were only 28%. So they came in fourth. And I'm with you, my friend. To me, mosquitoes are the uh, a plague upon the earth. Yeah, and that's why I like the spiders, because yeah, they, they take out them. the mosquitoes. Yeah, well, a few years ago, I wanted to get a bat and put a bat in my backyard. That was obviously before coronavirus. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> but I want to have a bat in my backyard because they eat their body weight in mosquitoes every day. How would you keep this bat in your backyard? Well, I looked into that. And if you if you construct a house that's got a place where the bat can hang upside down, they've got no other place to stay that resembles like a cave. And so if you build a, a bat house to their specifics... They'll actually continue to live in your backyard because they got no place else to go. So we just have to get Scott Mosby on the line. We do. We need to get Scott Mosby on the line to tell us how do we build a bat house, <laughs> put it in the yard, and they eat their body weight in mosquitoes every day. That solves your problem. That solves my problem. It doesn't involve, you know, fogging your uh, backyard with chemicals that will, you know, give you three-headed children or something. I mean, it'll just be... That solves your problems. But Is that what tiki torches do? That's right. Well, you, come on. Let, let's talk about I'm glad you brought that up. Every time we have a party at my house in the backyard, my wife wants to put up these tiki torches. They do absolutely nothing. Really? They don't do anything. Oh. I've read study after study. They do nothing to keep away the bugs. In fact, they create a heat source that is actually sensed by mosquitoes because they're drawn by carbon dioxide. I don't know if I agree with this. See, we use um, the, so it's like a, a candle that you would set on the table, except. The citronella. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But we pour the same, you know, tiki fluid mm -hmm. into it. Um, and we had this problem with the patio TV where the bugs would want to be around the TV screen because they're attracted to the light. Sure. So we would put that candle right around the base of the TV and sure enough, all the bugs were gone. You clear it off once, put the candle under it, and none of them would come back. Wow. Well, I, I, I've i never had that experience because I'm always the one they come and follow and bite. So, uh, and you remember those uh, things that was, were popular for a long time, Mike, where they had those bug zappers? Oh, yeah, late 90s. I never understood those. Well, 
you know, they, they didn't kill any bugs of any relevance. They mm-hmm. only killed the bugs that weren't bothersome. Well, they, and then it's just the most disgusting thing you could ever have hanging from your, on the bottom of your deck. Right, because there's this pile of bug corpses yeah. that, that, that come underneath it, and mm-hmm. it doesn't smell good when they get cooked. Right. I mean, the smell of cooking bugs isn't exactly what you want to have when you've got a party on the deck, on the back deck of your house. And they didn't even kill the bugs that bite you. So I, I always saw those, and I thought, what are you doing? You're, it's, it's a complete waste of time. But, yeah, late 90s, everybody had those. Those were very, very popular, and you don't see them much anymore. But it did make a cool sound. Yeah, I remember there was one on our, in our subdivision. The Blocks had one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every now and then you're playing hide-and-seek, and you run through the Blocks' backyard, and you see a big one approaching the light, and you wait and watch it get zapped, and you see a little spark, and then yep. you... A little poof, a and smoke. Then you run to your hiding spot, and that's all it. Hiding spot. That defines summer, doesn't it? Hide and seek and a bug zapper. That's right. That's that's how you spend your summer. Well, the, the bugs, uh, folks, apparently uh, are uh, extremely upset with bugs because uh, some folks, I'm looking for the stat here, there was a large percentage, 61%, said they would forego their favorite food, for an entire year to keep their house bug free. Uh, and some would even burn their house down if they thought there were too many bugs in their house. Uh, a lot of folks are unfortunately bugged by bugs. And you know, when Camo X says this show is called At Your Service, folks, we have just exemplified At Your Service by talking about uh, how to kill bugs with a bug zapper. We are at your service. Brad Young on Camo X. We're going to take a break and back after this with more news of the day on Camo X. Keep pace with the latest locally. Ask your smart speaker to play Camo X. Welcome back to Camo X. Brad Young at your service. And uh, we like to bring you breaking news in addition to the just the regular news of the day. And this is a story that just broke here in the last, uh, last 30 minutes. And that is uh, a bipartisan group of 10 senators announced uh, an agreement on a framework to invest $1.2 trillion in infrastructure over the next eight years. And it does not involve any new taxes, no tax increases or no increased taxes of any kind to pay for this. And you might remember that 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 President Biden was negotiating with some of the senators, Republican senators, and they broke that off the other day because they couldn't get together. And so a group of 10, a bipartisan group of 10 senators got together and said, you know what, if the White House can't work this out, we're going to work it out among ourselves and get a deal done. And interestingly enough, uh, Joe Manchin is in that group, even though Brian Williams said he lives in a world of his own imagination. Uh, Joe Manchin was in that group of 10 and they've worked out a bill. Now, of course, it still needs to get uh, White House approval. And uh, I, I would guess that it will if you've already got uh, enough senators to get this passed in in uh, in both parties. I don't see the White House backing down from it because, frankly, the White House needs a win. And this would be a way for them to get a win on this. But it involves $1.2 trillion. Immediately, it involves $974 billion over five years. And it's truly going to go to infrastructure. Roads, bridges, 
uh, rail, those types of things, unlike the initial $3 trillion bill that the White House proposed when only about 50% of that was related to infrastructure. The other things were related to all kinds of liberal projects that had nothing whatsoever to do with infrastructure. But that's how you get things done today a lot of times in Washington is that you announce a bill that, my goodness, we have to pass this bill, but then you tack on all these other things on top of it uh, in order to get money back uh, to your district. So it's a bipartisan framework. It doesn't involve the addition of new taxes. It doesn't raise taxes. And so that, to me, satisfies both the Republicans who don't want new taxes and the Democrats because they wanted a infrastructure bill to get an early legislative win for President Biden, particularly a bipartisan legislative win for President Biden. So uh, you'll see more about this in the coming days. And certainly there won't be any movement on this until President Biden returns from Europe uh, where he's at right now. And by the way, the, the hotel where he's staying. It's on the ocean side. It's a it's a beautiful place. It'd be fun to go there. So you can check that out. It's in a castle. He's staying in a castle, which would be, um, you know, not a bad place to stay. It's uh, not exactly uh, slumming it when you're staying in a castle. So when he gets back, you're going to see a lot more news on that. And I'll, of course, bring you up to date on that as the story unfolds. Speaking of Europe, I, I this I, I was, you know, there's a term gobsmacked. And uh, I don't think that violates any FCC rules to discuss that. But I, I was gobsmacked today when I saw this story because just two days ago, it was just on Tuesday, and you may have seen the video, French President Emmanuel Macron was walking on a rope line. And, you know, he's walking up to shake hands, saying hi to the po- folks. And there was a guy there, Damien Terrell, who, and I've watched the video a couple of times, when the president walks up to shake his hand, this this guy, Damien Terrell, just slaps the French president right in the face. And there's the, the crowd goes crazy and the French, whatever their equivalent of the Secret Service, they tackle this guy and they took him into custody. This was on Tuesday. Okay. Well, today, Damien Terrell, and this is the part that I simply could not understand. I I don't know anything about French law other than it's not based on English common law like I studied in law school. But uh, the French court today found this guy guilty and sentenced him to 18 months in prison. Now, this is two days later. So within two days, the guy was arrested, he was charged, he went to trial, and he was convicted in 48 hours. My God. Goodness, that's fast justice in France. I mean, we've got people, think about the people who uh, are are sitting on death row for 15 years in this country. Think about how long it takes when when someone gets charged with a crime and they're out on bail for, for years until their case comes to trial. And here we have Damien Terrell, who gets arrested, charged, found guilty, and sentenced in 48 hours. I I don't know how that works. Plus, you know what the problem is, is that the lawyers in France are probably not charging by the hour, because if they were, this should have taken a lot longer to get (laughs) get this done. Not something like 48 hours. My goodness. Uh, There was a there there was a lawyer uh, in uh, Missouri. Uh, It's okay that I mention his name because it's public record. His name was Forrest Elliott. 
he did work for something called the Second Injury Fund, which is which was a uh, it's a program in Missouri that pays additional benefits for people who are injured on the job and have pre-existing disabilities. And so the, he was hired on a contract basis to represent the state of Missouri for the Second Injury Fund claims in the early 90s. And ironically, Forrest Elliott uh, billed the state of Missouri on multiple occasions for in excess of 30 hours of work in a day. So he was billing the state of Missouri on occasion for 30, 35 hours of work in a day, and he went to jail. Now, to me, that's just that just shows he was the hardest working lawyer you've ever seen, that he could work 35 hours in a single day, and he's punished for it. Are you kidding me? That guy's a hard worker. There ought to be a, ought to be a statue for him. Uh, no, of course, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not advocating fraud against the state of Missouri. Uh, but uh, but he did his time in the Gray Bar Motel because of uh, charging the state for 35 hours of work in a single day. So, But to me, I, I guess maybe Forrest Elliott has maybe gone to work in, in France because you'd have to be working 40 hours a day uh, t- to get this case resolved in 48 hours from the date of the occurrence. So uh, I'm going to have to look into to this, uh, how the French legal system works because my goodness, it works at light speed uh, to get things done that quickly. In the next hour, we've got a, a lot of things coming up in the next hour, particularly we're going to be talking to Doug Blair in the nine o'clock hour. He's with the Heritage Foundation. And there was a situation that happened this week in Virginia where a teacher, who was a gym teacher, he expressed his personal opinion at a school board meeting about the issue of how many genders there are, how many genders there are, and whether he should be forced to use the designated gender identification rather than the biological gender identification. He didn't say that in school. He said it at a school board meeting, and he was suspended. So we're going to talk to Doug Blair in the next hour on that particular issue. Phone lines are open if you want to call in between now and 915-314-436-7900. Call or text. Would love to get feedback from you this evening. Brad Young here at your service on Camo X. We'll be right back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 